and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are back with a Game Week 5 preview, the first midweek round of the Premier League this season. My name is Chris Hopkins and I am joined by the uh, the owner of lots of other Liverpool assets compared to my most Salah. It's Andy Case. Andy, um, if you had, I mean, we might come on to this a little bit later, I imagine, but if you'd have told me that Liverpool were going to score nine goals, there was an opportunity for 18 attacking returns and Mo Salah gets zero. What would you what would you have done if you'd have told me that? Then I'd have been like, well, Mo Salah's a must own in game week four. But well, well, not if I told you he was going to get no attacking well, returns, no. But yeah, uh, right. yeah, you muffed it completely. What you mean is, if you'd said Liverpool were going to win nine nil, would you have captained Mo Salah? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's bonkers. Yeah, I can't believe they were they got a nine nil and and he and he got nothing. It's it's very frustrating. Yeah, I guess I guess where I was going is if you'd have told me that, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have told you that, you that you're an idiot. Which I'm sure I would have told you anyway, but oh, I mean, it is it is it is crazy. It is just it must be one of the most unlikely things to ever happen in FPL that Liverpool get score nine goals and Salah gets nothing. I mean, obviously you got the got the extra you know bonus of a midfield clean sheet point, which is uh, you know very useful. But I mean, it just again, well, I guess we'll come on to some of the some of the the underlying numbers later. But it's not like he had no chance all game either, which I guess makes it even more frustrating for for those that, that do own him. But yeah, it feels like one of the um one of the most unlikely outcomes in 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 FPL history almost. Well, possibly, maybe, maybe it was, maybe, maybe you could go as far as that. But it wasn't the biggest thing that happened on Saturday, was it, Chris? Uh, no, it was not, not by uh, any stretch of the imagination. I can't believe we got through the whole of the last show without mentioning the fact that it was, in fact, on Saturday, not just game week four, but the big 3-0 for Mr. Chris Hopkins, his yeah. 30th birthday. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel now that life's all downhill from here? Well, I can tell it's downhill because I've known you for the last four years. So, um, you know, it's, since you turned 30, it's, it's quite clearly been a been a deterioration in in in, in your you know demeanour and appearance. So, um, so yeah, I guess uh, I guess I've got all that to look forward to. But um, yeah, you know, it doesn't feel any different, really, does it? It's just uh, you know, I'm three days older than I was before I was there. So um, yeah, makes no difference really anymore. But uh, I, I mean, appearance, I I get. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is by the way, by the way, team, without going all Dr. Phil here, this is classic Chris Hopkins, right? Ask him a personal question about himself, gets all spiky, gets gets in a corner, has to start shooting out the arrows. So I take some shots. But anyway, beyond the pop psychology, uh, appearance, I'll take that, yep. that, that. I can't really say anything about that. Demeanor. I don't know. I mean... I think you could criticise my demeanour, but has it deteriorated since I turned thirty? I think you've got more, um, more grumpy. Yeah, so you I think, think. Yeah, more, I think so. Really? Well, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, I, do. I do. I do. I think you know when mm. when we first met and you were you know fresh faced, what 27, 27 year old, twenty eight year old. You know, well was well was your oyster and. Yeah, it's, it's all gone downhill since there, I think. But if that's what I've got to look forward to, then yeah, I'm already, I'm, yeah, I'm already well on the way. So, uh, so, so, so no worries. Well, well, absolutely, yeah. Those in their glass houses and all that. I mean, we were treated to, to, to some, to some, to some great football, weren't we? On 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 Saturday, we went to watch uh, a, oh, I don't even know what level it is. Middlesex County Premier League match against uh, Clapton CFC versus PFC Victoria. We got we got what eight goals. One was a yes. decent goal, I guess. That was a bit of a lobbed finish from outside the area, but 
I mean, not loads. I mean, I think the 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 biggest talking point was was the poor performance from from the referee, Andy, wasn't there? Which obviously you were very upset about. Well, uh, nowhere near as upset as you, though. Like we 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 saw angry Chris Hopkins. I mean, not quite Colchester playing Millwall levels of angry. Uh, you know, famously, it's probably been mentioned on the show before, where Chris shouted, "Let him die!" at a player who'd been <laughs> who'd been left on the ground in a heap. Uh, but uh, you, there was a couple of instances where you were were not happy with. And in fairness, yeah, he gave up a very uh, dodgy penalty decision, and for uh, for the for the away team and the home team who Chris was supporting, um, absolutely should have had a penalty. Um, the the player got fouled well in the box. Refs given it outside the box. Fortunately, they've actually scored from the proceeding. You know, free, yeah, free, free kick, free kick yeah. anyway. But um, yeah, anyway, that, uh, that's probably way too much about your and my lives for an FBL podcast, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, mean, I guess we've got you know we've got to fill some time because it's been such a quick turnaround from game week four to five. There's uh, I guess not loads for us to say, but you know we will we will continue. We will keep on doing the pod uh so as always on our previous shows we will start by running down the game week fixtures we'll have a quick chat about this week's talking points of which i'm not sure there are that many things to talk about given the short turnaround um we do have some new players on the radar to discuss we will be swimming against the tide and we'll finish as we always do with captain c and who the heck is stat uh so let's start by running down those all important game week five fixtures your fpl deadline uh this week is six o'clock on Tuesday the 30th of August and that's because we have four fixtures on a Tuesday starting at uh, Crystal Palace versus Brentford we've got Fulham versus Brighton Southampton versus Chelsea and Leeds versus Everton Moving on to Wednesday, we've got Arsenal versus Aston Villa, Bournemouth versus Wolves, Man City versus Forest, West Ham versus Spurs and Liverpool versus Newcastle. And then on to Thursday, the 1st of September, not only does the transfer window famously slam shut that day, but we have the final match of this uh, game week round of fixtures, Leicester versus Man United. So there are, Andy, plenty of... um... Yeah, plenty of, of last minute transfer rumours going going round. I'm not sure. Have United confirmed Anthony yet? Is he uh, United haven't, but Fabrizio has. It's got the here we go treatment, so right. it is it is happening. I think he's turned into one of the biggest um obviously he's an essential follow, but he's he's become a caricature, hasn't he? I guess with the whole here we go. He doesn't feel like an insider anymore. He feels like a bit of a it feels a bit annoying, frankly. Um, maybe that's just me being a bit hipster and him now getting a bit too cool. For, I mean, talk for about grump, getting more grumpy when you get into your 30s. I mean, Jesus, poor old Fabrizio. He's done a stellar job over the years confirming transfers before anyone else has. But um, what, how, how does he, like, is he just, has he just become so synonymous with it now that all of the agents are just leaking to him all the time? Is that? I, I mean, guess quite, that... quite possibly that is now what, what has happened. Yeah, but I'd imagine he must have built up a bit of a network before that to get into that position to, to earn the reputation of being so accurate. I, th- I don't think he's ever got a here we go wrong, right? I mean, if it feels like he does the Lord's work, but at the same time, um, yeah, the here we go thing, yeah, I can I can, I can, I can, I can personally do without that. Unless he's going to start here we going when Cole, you were signing someone on loan from, from West Ham, then I'm not really going to be that interested. Um, regardless, obviously, yeah, as you say, the transfer window slamming shut. There's going to be some some last-minute business. Uh, United, uh, Anthony, obviously, there's another player that we'll probably talk about a little bit on the radar who's been a relatively last-minute move. Obviously, there's Anthony Gordon rumours, and therefore, if there are some make-weights from Chelsea going the other way to Everton that could become interesting FPL um, potential players. Um, but also, we have our first midweek of the season, so rotation. We've got Champions League draws now and Europa League draws. There's, uh, there's plenty to think about going into game week five it feels like them almost like game week game week one to four were 
I guess, a little mini season within the season. Now we've got another sort of four games before the international break now to to, to you know, get our teeth into. But there's going to be so much, so many other challenges now for FPL managers to, to navigate. Well, exactly, yeah. And this, what we'd be saying um, to, as we'd always would have said, but maybe we've highlighted it less this season because of all the other things that have been going on. I think our early game weeks um, shows would have probably mentioned the transfer window more in, in other years. So I guess it is worth us saying that, yeah, yeah, to keep an eye on that. And if you can, if you have an opportunity to roll and you don't desperately need to change your team, it probably could be, it could be worth um, waiting uh, until after this game week to, to sort of see where everyone's, because before game week six starts, you will know the situation. Squads will, will be, will be finalised. No more transfers will be, will be available. And one other that you didn't mention there that, that I also don't think has been confirmed by the clubs, but has had the here we go treatment is for Fana to Chelsea. And uh, he has, I only recently discovered, has actually had a price drop from him not playing at Leicester and people getting rid of him having owned in pre-seasons. He's actually 4.4 million. And, you know, if you spend 80 mil, surely you've got to be starting in that Chelsea back three. So um, if he do, if that is the case and he ends up, you know, getting a relatively secure starting place in Chelsea's in Chelsea's back three, 4.4 mil. I mean, I know they haven't been fantastic, obviously, this season, but he's going to be bring, being brought in to shore it up. Right. And um, on paper, at least, that is an exceptional backline for, for Chelsea. So, yeah, that's that's one that I mean, his ownership is going to soar at 4.4 mil, isn't it? Yeah, you'd think so. That feels pretty tasty and maybe one that we'll, we'll end up focusing on uh, come game week five, six and, and into the future. Um, there were obviously the Champions League draws, Andy, and I know that we spoke, um, I think, on on our last podcast about, you know, the potential rotation for, for some, of, some of these sides and depending on when their more difficult Champions League fixtures might fall. Um, Man City being, being you know, a case in point, their first two fixtures against Sevilla and Dortmund doesn't feel like there's much let up there. And therefore, I guess we could start to see more rotation in the Premier League. I know they've got Wolves on the horizon and Forest this week as well. Um, it's going to be hard to, I mean, there's always Pep Roulette, but it feels like it's going to be particularly hard in the next sort of uh, four, four game weeks, really. Yeah, it is. And if you follow the FPL lounge on Twitter, you will have got uh, an advanced sight of the uh, the uh, at least these first fixtures in the Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League for the various teams. We we dug into the the very, very long list of games to, to kind of pull out that because it's key for the, the short and medium term planning. The first European week is between game week six and seven. So i.e. not this midweek coming up, but next midweek. Um, and yeah, it's kind of difficult fixtures, at least for all of the Champions League teams, arguably Spurs having Marseille at home is 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 the most straightforward, but sort of tough-ish away games for all of the other all of the other three. I mean Zagreb obviously for Chelsea maybe not the most difficult game, but it's a bit of a way to go. City got Sevilla away and Liverpool got Napoli away, so so definitely not fixtures that they can that they can afford to be rotating in, uh, which might mean rotation potentially for those teams um, in 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 having to be kind of league games and I know I think we highlighted as well that obviously particularly in game week seven uh, Spurs and City play each other so yeah obviously a difficult fixture for for both for both of them um, but yeah the, the, the full fixtures are there we've, we've we've tweeted Dale Johnson who's an ESPN reporter I mean he's another person I would say is an essential follow he has lots Absolutely. of uh, refereeing updates and coefficient updates that, that get me going so uh, yeah I'd, I'd highly recommend him but he's got the full kind of list of all of the fixtures um, and, and to be honest I imagine by now although I haven't seen it someone probably on FPL Twitter somewhere has probably uh, you know, merge the two together and put mm. put the uh, if it's not Krellin or or someone else and put put the Champions League fixtures in so you can see 
when exactly between all of the game weeks, who is playing who and who's got difficult Champions League fixtures when. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think in, in terms of general strategy, I think Andy and I would still be you know, every season we'd be trying to hold on to uh, using our you know that first wild card before um we definitely would not want to use it before the transfer window slams shut and i think you know we're still with that international break after game week eight that feels like an opportune time um to, to kind of start thinking about using it especially given uh, the first half of this season or the first 16 game weeks pre-world cup uh, you've got unlimited transfers in between you know, during the world cup so it feels like using that first wild card and um, about halfway between the start of the season and game week 16 feels feels uh, yeah feels reasonable and, and yeah I completely agree you know while I might not be Fabrizio Romano's biggest fan any journo that that loves numbers hashtag Dale Johnson I feel like he, he definitely an essential an essential follow for all things football uh, let's move on then Andy to the radar and I guess with some of those um some of that European rotation potential particularly for a Manchester City a manager that likes to rotate anyway with a very deep squad um, Kevin De Bruyne is going to drop off the centre of our radar um, going forward and Phil Foden is, is going to drop off from the fringes but uh, on the up elevating their way into the middle of our radar we've gone with a, a bit of a team one which I think we sort of tried to or have spoken about not doing as much this year but at the minute it feels like you could basically pick any Brighton defender and uh, they're on for you know they've got a really good chance of, of keeping a clean sheet and potentially have some attacking potential as well Brighton just really impressing us both so far this year yeah absolutely I think you mentioned on the last show that they fin- featured prominently on our pre-season previews the long weekend um, and basically throughout the season have been creeping further and further onto the radar to the point where they are smack bang in the centre now I think it is reasonable to say they are the group of players particularly so we're talking about pretty much any of the starting defenders and the goalkeeper Sanchez who who I'd be thinking about most for 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 a transfer probably right now getting some one of them in if, if he hadn't already because, because simply because yeah the we the reason they were on our um, in our thoughts, I guess, before the season was because they have traditionally had good underlying defensive numbers. They had a fantastic run to start the season and not just like short term run in terms of, say, game weeks one to four, all of game weeks one to eight. So whilst you might feel like you, you missed out on some good def- uh, defensive returns from them and that could be disappointing, you know, in these first four weeks, ultimately, you, you know, don't kind of cut your nose off to spite your face I suppose and and, and you, you can still benefit from them in these final four and actually what you've gained is you've seen that it isn't just theoretical uh you know good a good theoretically a good defense they've demonstrated albeit with reasonable fixtures that that they are performing defensively again this season they've only conceded one goal all year I think they're sort of third or fourth in terms of the xg conceded they have another positive which we've always highlighted is that compared to some of those premium defenders who do have better obviously attacking um, upside that you know 4.5 mil for a player with a really good chance of a clean sheet in, in, in a Brighton defender here which is pretty much the majority of the defense and the goalkeeper you know that that that, that that's just brilliant for supplementing the rest of your team so um, yeah just and just to sort of articulate what those fixtures are between now and the international break the next four game weeks for Brighton they have a better fixture run than anyone else in the league in terms of fixture difficulty ratings and it's Fulham, Leicester, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace so yeah um, all looking good for them. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, going through some of those players, obviously, we know we know plenty about Robert Sanchez. He's currently he has the price rise to his four point six million at the minute, but twenty six points uh, so far this season is is pretty decent. Then among you know their sort of three centre backs, you've got Joel Veltman, Lewis Dunk, and and Adam Webster. Um, again, all four and a half apart from Veltman, who's had a price rise four point six million so far this year. And in, I guess in terms of 
you know, them getting chances from corners and set pieces and things like that. And you know, we've seen, um, you know, I think Webster had the most chances this weekend against, against Leeds out, out, out of the three. I think Veltman's had more bonus points so far this year, so it's maybe you know, maybe more likely to get get some of those extra points. But you know, there's, there's cigarette papers between them, I guess, in terms of their attacking numbers. Um, an interesting one from me. Obviously, they do play, they Brighton do tend to tend to like wing backs or playing as sort of a, a three four three formation. Uh, their right wing back is listed as a midfielder in the game. It seems to be Solly March at the minute, but Purvis Estupinan on the left hand side, four and a half mil. Um, not going to be very high owned at the minute, and you know, there's not any underlying numbers to back this up. But I do wonder if he's going to be. I mean, he's likely to be well more well more advanced than than Webster Duncan Veltman. So I wonder if he could be a a sort of a, a future one to keep an eye on and maybe could end up being the best of the bunch uh, in terms of bringing one in for your FPL team. I mean, I think any starting wing back for in that Brighton team, the, the system really supports wing backs getting forward and, and, and uh, a good sign I think for him is that if Potter trusts him enough to, you know, to, to bring him in straight away, like he hasn't signed, been, been there long, but he's come straight in the team and, and, and played and did well. Like he 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 got the pre-assist for Brighton's goal at the weekend. He was getting plenty of balls in the box, getting forward. So um, yeah, there's not particularly strong underlying numbers. Obviously it's only been one game, but yeah, 4.5 mil for a starting Brighton wing back is kind of always likely to be, to be good value. And I think the fact that he is the same price as those other centre-backs offers definite potential kind of upside for him there so on the on the little we've seen so far if you don't own any of them I could definitely understand that that being the, the place you go he's unlikely to have less attacking output than any of those centre-backs so almost kind of feels like a a low risk gamble yeah, yeah absolutely I mean I guess he's been brought in to replace Cucurella who I think we would have been hot on last year had he not been five million rather than four and a half like the Dunks and the Websters of the, of the world so so yeah and looking at his average position in the game against Leeds at the weekend he was considerably more advanced than the other three centre-backs slightly less advanced than Solly March but as we say Solly March is listed as a midfielder in the game so um so yeah it doesn't get those clean sheet points so yeah it could be it could be an in- interesting one to think of um Moving outside, Andy, to, to the mid-range of the radar, another Brighton player. I feel like it's uh, high time we mentioned Pascal Gross. I think we may have mentioned it on the pod, but we definitely did speak about it, um, you know, just between you and I, about his sort of different position that we've seen in his, from, from him this year. He's never really been um, a majorly good FPL asset. I think when he was on all of Brighton's set pieces, possibly in their first season in the Premier League. He got a few people uh, excited, but that was you know, all down to him scoring direct free kicks and penalties at the end of the day. This year, it's uh, it's it's his advanced position on the right-hand side of a front three that uh, that's leading to him getting, getting a lot of chances, and that is still showing up in the underlying numbers. Exactly, yeah. This is one that is, I think, before this game week, neither of us, a few on FPL Twitter were starting to get excited about him. Neither of us were particularly convinced, I guess, because with what we've seen from him over the course of a long span of time now. But look, I think ultimately in this game against Brighton in particular, on the eye, it looks like he's getting forward. The, the heat maps show he's getting forward. The underlying numbers show he's getting the ball in attacking positions and getting chances. So, and, and Brighton's fixtures, obviously, as we've mentioned, all these things are coming together now and his price being under six mil. If you're willing to take punts on people like Neto, Rodrigo, Bailey, who people have been doing over over in this build up to season, I can't see why it's any worse of a gamble at this point, given the much greater evidence base we have so far at the start of the season for someone like a Pascal Gross. Now, I have the potential to offend two teams worth of people here by making this statement. And I don't mean this as an insult to anyone in any way, but what I'm going to describe that Welbeck, Trossard, Gross, front three of Brighton as as a poor man's Salah, Mane, Firmino, right? In the sense of 
what we're seeing or what we have seen a bit this season is that obviously Welbeck isn't a number nine who's going to get in behind loads, although he did try and do that against United and it worked. Horses for courses, I suppose Brighton are good at that, adjusting their tactics, right? But um, what you saw against Leeds was was Welbeck dropping more and Trossard and Gross getting beyond him, so him getting the ball, holding it up and then slotting one of them through, a lot like Firmino did over the years for, for Mane and Salah. So if Gross is going to be one of the ones running onto the ball, to, to, to take those chances which is which is you know kind of where his goal came from although it was a little bit more uh, there was a bit more build up than that um then 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 that's brilliant right that that's exactly where you want him to be and it's a very that speaks to everything we're talking about with about his position being more advanced he's getting shots in the box um i think i don't know if you mentioned mentioned this but he's got the third highest non-penalty expected goal involvement of all players in the game at the moment that that just speaks to um that that exact point. I mean, you're talking all players, forwards, midfielders from all of the big teams. Pascal Grosses is third for that. For that, if you take penalties away, kind of expected goal involvement. So there's there's kind of a lot of a lot of pieces of evidence which I think justify his position on the mid range here. Yeah, and I guess um, yeah, historically he has taken penalties for Brighton too. He doesn't always have the greatest record. I think he missed a few last year, but again, in in, in his first season when he was you know, in the team a lot, he he was taking their penalties. So yeah, that's 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 added upside to him. And I think what I like about him is that yes, he has had a couple of price rises. I think he's five point eight million now, but that's still cheaper than Rodrigo. That's still cheaper than Martinelli. That's still cheaper than um than you know than, than, than some other midfielders that I think people are getting tempted by and are also having price rises. So despite the fact that he's he started the season ultimately so cheaply that he still feels affordable and and could be could be a good way to move or you know, move off you know someone like a Pedro Neto if you, if you're still holding on to him praying for a return from him at some point so so yeah I think he's he's definitely worth a, worth a mention here and worth his position in the mid-range of our radar and similarly Andy we're keeping uh, Davinson Sanchez and, and, and Ivan Perisic there um, Spurs' underlying numbers have improved in terms of their ranking among among all Premier League teams now they've got the third best expected goals conceded um, in, in, in the league obviously another start for Perisic another start for Sanchez while Christian Romero is still sidelined I feel like he might be back I think in time for game week six so maybe it isn't a transfer that you'd necessarily want to make at the minute but ultimately Spurs is good underlying numbers um any way you can get into that either you know by going for almost like a premium defender in Perisic or a cheap one in Sanchez feels like it's worth it at the moment yeah exactly I mean we said a lot on them in last week's preview so there isn't much more to add if anything their defensive numbers have actually slightly improved as you might expect given that they played Nottingham Forest this game week um so they're still showing uh, under Conte you know, the whole time under Conte, they've been good. And that, I think that's the thing to remember. Pre-Conte, Spurs aren't traditionally a team necessarily known for their defensive solidity. Not that they've been bad, but they're just not necessarily trustworthy. But they absolutely have been for a long period of time under Conte now. So they've got decent clean sheet potential. And obviously, yeah, the Sanchez is a cheap way into that. And Perisic offers you good upside going forward. So um, they're they're both still, still good options, definitely. Absolutely. And then on the fringes of the radar, Andy, we're going to keep... Harry Kane there, I think you know, he obviously got two goals at the weekend, despite missing a penalty as well. Um, third for XGI in the game so far. Um, I feel like we'd be probably a bit more bullish on Kane if there were if there weren't as many other good forward options. And ultimately, you know, we're still going to hold on to Haaland. He got a hat-trick at the weekend. Gabriel Jesus is, is still playing well. He obviously blanked this weekend, but it's considerably cheaper than Harry Kane. Um, I just feel like there might be some managers that might be willing to move off Haaland now if there is some doubt about his minutes, and therefore Kane feels like he's in. He's back to back to being in pretty good Premier League form. 
yeah and I think we've seen a lot of movement off Salah as well people frustrated and so if you want to put that Salah money somewhere Kane is probably I mean arguably KDB as well obviously but he's got rotation perhaps concerns with Champions League and stuff coming up so so yeah I could understand if you were I mean not necessarily understand moving off Salah but if you were to I could see why Kane would be the one you'd go to I suppose and you know a little peek behind the kimono for listeners it was it, you you very much sort of champion Kane being on this radar somewhere and I guess my question to you was um, are you going to own Kane over Haaland for us probably not are you going to own Kane over Jesus Kane's probably got more upside long term, particularly, but Jesus is is like three and a half mil cheaper. So so probably not. No. So then therefore you're saying if you are going to own him, he's probably got to take up that third slot in your in your team. And then um, which, again, there's arguments for, as we've kind of articulated here, but it's quite a bold team structured decision that you're making you're basically saying you're going to be starting all three of your forwards. You're going to have to lose money elsewhere somewhere, which, again, there are arguments for doing those things, but it just, I think, makes it a lot stronger decision that you're having that you're having to take there which i suppose represents why he's on the fringes rather than than closer to the center of our radar yeah absolutely i think that's uh, i think that's completely fair yeah i guess it's just in case you were in case you were maybe thinking about moving off harland i feel like you wouldn't necessarily have to go to a very cheap forward i think you could still go to harry kane and likely to get get decent returns from what tottenham and, and him have been doing so far this year i guess a slight downgrade then in our radar andy foot for rodrigo and and jack harris and nothing really that leads have done wrong ultimately obviously I know they didn't didn't win at the weekend um and didn't create loads um but their underlying numbers are still still pretty good uh league league wide and uh, they've still got a decent run as well so definitely worth thinking about both of those players at the minute yeah absolutely that you know that neither of them particularly added to their underlying numbers in this game but we've said that Brighton are a good team defensively particularly at home I think that gets lost a bit actually in those Brighton numbers there they are significantly better when they're at home defensively but nonetheless still good both home and away so so Leeds going to Brighton it is a hard place to score goals um uh, and yeah ultimately the the underlying numbers the, the I guess the structure of the team has looked kind of more coherent under under Marsh in, in since 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 he's had the pre-season with them so they're they're still sort of and and, and I guess the, the if 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 the run for Leeds wasn't as good maybe they'd have disappeared by now but I think that's what kept them clinging to the fringes for us um it, it ultimately if I didn't tell you what what team this was a run for I just said a a team has the next three following fixtures, Everton at home, Brentford away, Forest at home. You almost don't mind what team that is. You're you're definitely probably considering at least having a look at some of their players because that is a fixture list you can absolutely get on board with. So, you know, I would not be surprised to see a couple of attacking returns for, for Leeds attacking assets over the course of those fixtures. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely, and and yeah, as as uh, as Rodrigo continues to kind of play through the middle as well, uh, given Bamford's injury, then yeah, he feels like he, he could be a pretty a pretty good option. Um, anyone else, Andy? I know that we uh, I know that we've had a few our eyes on a few players at various points throughout throughout the uh, the season, not necessarily worthy of radar inclusion, but um, yeah, I guess there's uh, you've got uh, maybe a new signing that 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 you'd like to have a look at before before sort of placing him on the radar or or, or not, and and similarly a player that's been in the league a little while now but it seems to be taking up some more advanced positions at the moment yeah I mean I guess it's funny we started this season saying let's have a little bit more back and forth let's try and see if Chris can talk a bit more on the podcast it isn't just Andy explaining but I'm gonna start with a macro point 
about the radar more generally before I even get into who else I'm looking at. And I guess that is, we mentioned the fact that transfer windows shutting off this game week, right? And I'm pretty happy with the shape of the of, of our radar this week. Me and Chris, sometimes we look at it and if we either of us are thinking about potentially rolling, then it's a little bit harder coming up with, the, you know, we're probably thinking of rolling for a reason and therefore there's no major transfers sticking out for us. However, like I say, I'm pretty comfortable with all of our areas of the radar, but given that transfer window thing, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily think that rolling is necessary, you know, unless there's someone there are areas in my team, for example, definitely need fixing. So I probably will be making a transfer this week, but there's going to be rotation. There's going to be chaos in people's teams. You're going to be have somewhere in your team, at least one place, probably more than one. There's going to be a bit of a hit and hope. You're, you're keeping your fingers crossed that the players in your starting 11 start. So therefore trying to predict that chaos and obviously listen to the press conferences, but we don't know how much we're going to find out before the game week starts. So, you know, if, if you're using your transfer, making another punt, may, maybe you'll get more value out of it rolling when we've got a bit more information before the next game week starts. So that's just a general macro point. However, I am keeping my eye on on on, on um, Alexander Isaac, who, who who Newcastle have just bought. Callum Wilson's had a bit of an injury. So Chris Wood had to start at the weekend. And so you'd think as soon as Isaac's up and ready to go, he's coming straight into the team. And, and, and Newcastle have obviously been decent, right? So he's a, he's a good international striker, got a reasonable record. International Did you see Callum Wilson's point the other week that he reckons he's the, uh, he's the obvious uh, understudy to Harry Kane in the England team? Well, obviously, Callum Wilson would say that, and he has been at points uh, in the Nations League. He was uh, the first iteration of the Nations League where England got to the final tournament. Um, and is there a... Is there an out in terms of stylistically? Is there an out and out number nine that gets? I mean, previously, obviously, it would have been DCL, but he's injured. <laughs> I mean, it's not an out completely outrageous point from him to make. Yeah, I, don't I mean, I just, thought, I just thought it was interesting. He, I think he said, like, the four strike if he was England manager, the four strikers he'd take to the World Cup were, were him, him, Kane, Abraham, and Ings. But that's no, because he's looking at that as four number nines, right? And we're not taking four number nines to the World Cup. So, and particularly as it looked like looks like Rashford is going to play through the middle more for United. Basically, United can't find a striker to buy. So the purchase of Anthony is to supplement the wings so that Rashford can play. He, Rashford is basically going to be our backup striker. Martial's our first choice number nine. Good God. And and Rashford's the, the backup number nine, for, I mean, for crying out loud. So that, that but what I'm saying is that that could increase Rashford's chances of going because Southgate generally likes him and and the multi-purpose use anyway we've gone on some massive tangent here but um yeah I think ultimately um Isaac's basically if Isaac's gonna be one I'm gonna be keeping my eye on because of um because Newcastle have got a decent run and 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 he's a, and he's a pretty good forward who's coming for a big price tag right so if he starts kind of getting involved and looking decent I'd be wanting to look at him I did have someone else and you didn't have anyone, but I'm going to let you take that one, Chris. Otherwise, I'll be talking too much. All right. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, Andy's keeping his eye on Martin Odegaard as well. I think um, we have liked Odegaard previously. I think he was five and a half million. Maybe. Maybe he was a bit more expensive, actually. Um, at some points uh, last year, ultimately, this is a guy who is a very, very technically good footballer. Doesn't always then translate into 
into FPL points, but he's he's got a few so far this season, and we think that might be because he's playing in a slightly more advanced role. Now Arsenal have a number nine that isn't dropping as deep. Uh, obviously Lacazette has been has, has been has been ousted for uh, for Gabriel Jesus. He's more likely to play on the shoulder. That might give Odegaard a bit more space and isn't playing as, as so much of a deep lying playmaker as now maybe a bit more of a number ten. Uh, not really showing up in the underlying numbers, but I think we'd be interested in, in keeping an eye an eye on Odegaard if we do think he's playing. Um, slightly higher up the pitch and, and, and yeah is being a bit more influential in Arsenal general play and obviously he's got some goals so far this this year I think we want to see some more assists from him but, uh, a bit more consistently as well but yeah definitely two players worth keeping an eye on and yeah on, on Isaac I mean if he's if he can bring some uh, bring some La Liga form over over to the UK then yeah he could be a really really interesting player I know Arsenal were interested in him as well weren't they for a bit I think so yeah I wonder what he's been linked with a lot of teams over the years and I wonder what it is that has that's held people kind of kind of back because it is a lot of money for someone um who others haven't i guess touched right 70 60 70 mil but then i suppose we're gonna have to change our mindset a bit here because like obviously chelsea getting a lot of stick 80 mil for fafana 60 mil for gordon but i guess it just gets to the point where everyone knows the premier league teams have got money and you just get milked there's no way to avoid unless you're a brighton with an unbelievable recruitment where you know where you can where they're bringing in players from South America and wherever that are that are dead cheap like Peru and Peru and Brazil and Ecuador they've found a lot of players in right um uh Brighton so maybe that's the market everyone should be should be tapping up but um other than them everyone basically in the league is getting fleeced I mean Forrest have just spent 25 upwards of 40 mil on Morgan Gibbs White for crying out loud so yeah just because everyone do it doesn't necessarily make it better but obviously yeah does does the 60 70 mil put more pressure on Isaac who yeah who knows yeah, absolutely absolutely all right let's let's leave it there Andy let's take a quick break and then when we, when we return we will be swimming against the tide here at the FPL lounge we are keen to hear from you you can join in the conversation on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge we will preview every game week throughout the season exploring options for your chips and transfers Subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods so that you have all the information you need before the game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So our last week's, uh, the rationale between our swimming against the tide last week was... um, yeah, we've got an FPL asset that hasn't had the greatest starts of the season, but ultimately is a is 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 very well trusted over the years. FPL FPL asset maybe one of the best in the game, uh, and it's a very similar vein this week, Andy. At the minute, Mo Salah, I think you've called him several times on this podcast, the greatest FPL asset of all time, is currently the second most transferred out. Um, I'm assuming, Andy, as as we said at the top of the show, this is because uh, Liverpool had you know, had 18 attacking returns at the at the weekend and Salah got absolutely zero um but still a bit of an overreaction isn't it I mean yeah more, it's definitely an overreaction and, and too much of one um I think obviously we 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 uh rightly cast ca- what what's what's the word I'm looking for chastised ourselves um for our swimming against the tide in the previous game week we did very well this week we said not to swim against uh to, we said to swim against Trent uh, get, getting rid of Trent keep him in your teams he scored 17 points so we'll take the wins when they come as well as the losses and I think ultimately the rationale here for Salah is similar now obviously it's not all about the outcome maybe Salah does blank again but the point is 
what more evidence do you need from Mo Salah over the years that he's an incredible fantasy asset? If if starts or injuries were a concern, I'd get it more, but um, they're not. I mean, he's going to start. So, and yeah, there will be a bit of Champions League rotation, I suppose, with Liverpool, but one, Klopp doesn't rotate as much as Pep, and two, he doesn't have the options at the moment because of injuries and stuff. So, I think it's possible Salah gets a rest at some point, but you can be much more assured that he's going to start more often than perhaps some of the City assets, right? So I think it's very likely he starts against Newcastle. The next three fixtures are Newcastle, Everton and Wolves in the league. Um, he's he's, he's sc- still scored plenty of goals. This I think he's had, what was he, two goals and an assist yeah, in three so, yeah. games, in, 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 in four game weeks when it's, Liverpool haven't even been playing that well. It, it's just... Like we could look, there's more stats which I'm sure you can throw at people, Chris, rather than me. But just, just don't, don't, don't get rid of Mo Salah. Yeah, I mean, he still has, uh, despite as Andy said, Liverpool not being the uh, their usual selves at the start of the season. He's still got the second highest non-penalty xGI in the game. He got 1.23 expected goals this game week. Just didn't quite happen for him in front of goal. Um, yeah, I think this week him not returning. It was a freak result. You know, I put my armband on Salah. I think you did too, Andy. Yeah. And if you'd have told us both that, I think, again, as Andy said at the start of the show, if you'd have told us both that Liverpool were going to score nine goals, um, who are you going to put your armband on in game week four? Then you, everyone in the game would have put it on Mo Salah this week. I, th- I um, think some people might have triple captained. Or genuinely, yeah. if you've been told Liverpool winning 9-0 and Salah plays pretty much the whole game, people would have been triple captain in Mo Salah this week. Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's it's, it's an absolutely freak outcome that he didn't end up uh, didn't end up returning. And and yeah, with those fixtures, you can definitely see him see him returning uh, this game week. Uh, Egypt also aren't going to the World Cup, are they, Andy? Is that is that no. right? So yeah, I mean, I've said this a few times before. I think Jurgen Klopp is the kind of guy. I mean, I think Mo Salah is. Um, a bit of an athletic kind of freak of nature. I think he can play through fatigue better than most. Um, you know, Liverpool have that, what is it, the, the red zone, which they talk talk about in terms of um, freshness for their players. Um, Mo Salah continues to play usually. Um, in, in, uh, you know, he does, isn't rotated very much, um, isn't rested very much. I think Klopp will kind of bleed him, bleed him dry a little bit before the World Cup because then he'll have basically a month off. Um, so, so yeah, I can't see him being rotated too heavily in the Premier League, um, even when the Champions League does come. So, so yeah, uh, I don't think there are, there, there's many expected minutes issues with Mo Salah. Uh, he should be back to his back to his best, and he still had a pretty good start to the season anyway. So, yeah, um, feels feels like an overreaction to transfer him out, and that's why we are going to swim swim against it. Um, talking of Mo Salah, Andy, I'm, you know, I guess in almost every game week he features uh, in our captaincy discussion. Maybe not the top captaincy option for us this week, um, but because there are a few again, very similar to last week. Let's start with uh, with those Man City assets, uh, Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne against Nottingham Forest. I guess the hesitation about putting the armband on either one of these will be that expected minutes and the potential for rotation against one of the weakest teams in the, in the league. Well, that that's it. Yeah, I mean, again, we've talked a lot about hindsight and uh, in this in this podcast. But if you know that Haaland, and let's say Pep, for whatever reason, makes it clear that Haaland will probably be starting, he becomes a lot better a captaincy option, right? But until you know that, yeah, it's tricky because you could absolutely see this being a game that you that you don't start in. Forest have had the weakest defensive start of any team in the league, conceded loads more chances again at the weekend to Tottenham. So whoever plays up front for City, um, you, you'd think would be well capable of getting returns. And and so that they almost don't need Haaland as much in this game, potentially. Um, 
then they've got two away games with Villa away and, and Sevilla away in the Champions League. So, um, I mean, you could see an argument for playing Haaland in this game and then resting him against Villa. So he's fully fit for Sevilla. So he might, he, he could end up starting, but we, we just don't know. So it's a gamble, it's a gamble. And what I'd say is another downside of the gamble of start of captaining a Haaland or a KDB is if they don't start, there's a decent possibility they come off the bench and then you're getting, you know, your captain points from someone who's just getting a few kind of bench uh, minutes appearances off off the bench. Of course, if they come on with enough time, they could certainly have an impact against a tired Nottingham Forest defence. So, so there's potentially still a positive there, but uh, it just feels like a gamble, particularly when you start considering some of these other options we're going to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And one of those is Gabriel Jesus. I think he got a lot of armbands uh, in game week four. I feel like um, I felt like there were better options, although you know, my captaincy option didn't didn't return either. Um, but Gabriel Jesus. Uh, Jesus against Aston Villa this week and the Aston Villa have had a pretty bad start to the season um, and yeah I kind of expect uh, Jesus to, to to punish them for it frankly and, and yeah I think I think he's who I'd be leaning towards this week. Yeah I think I can understand that um, I, I imagine I wonder if the the blank this week might put some people off um, which I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna zig when they're zagging that's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, I mean, people people are reactionary, though, particularly in this early part of the season where I guess there's more casual players playing. People are reactionary to what's happened just in the last game week. But obviously, Villa have not had a fantastic start to the season. Um, Jesus is leading the line. I mean, I guess it makes an argument potentially for Martinelli as well, frankly. I think, I suppose, um, and, and and I guess Saka, um, that there's there's reasonable arguments for all of them against this this this. Um, this Villa, this Villa side, and whilst you'd maybe say Forest is a slightly easier fixture, although Villa haven't been playing that well, yeah, you, you've got far more guarantees. But you, you can absolutely see, as we mentioned on the last show, a lot, if not all, of that of Arsenal front three being rotated in in the Europa League, um, which won't necessarily be the case for obviously for City players. So that so therefore you can you can you can rely on Premier League minutes and and and. So a guaranteed Jesus or Martinelli start against Villa versus a possible Haaland start against Forest, you probably just edge it with the certainty of Jesus there, don't you? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think especially given what, what Pep said recently about Haaland, just said you know, he's not going to be able to play a game every three days. This is the first midweek round of Premier League games. I think that gives me a bit of a bit of you know, pause or a bit of cause for concern, um, especially with the Champions League on the horizon uh, between game week six and seven as well. Um, we better talk about Salah Diaz uh, and Trent, I guess, against against Newcastle, Andy. Um, I guess what gives me a bit of con- concern here is that Newcastle's underlying defensive numbers are pretty good. Um, Liverpool obviously haven't been that impressive this season. Uh, as I say that coming off the back of a 9-0 drubbing of Bournemouth. But, um, but yeah, in, the, in their previous three games before that, didn't look all that convincing. Um, but still, you would back Salah. You feel like Bournemouth might have been a bit of a get-right game and, and, and Diaz and Trent are obviously getting attacking returns and, and, and looking pretty good in the last game too. So, um, so yeah, you've, maybe just do what you did last year and just captain Salah every week, right? Well, <clears throat> I think if Salah, you'd be more, although it feels frustrating, you'd be more concerned if Salah wasn't getting chance, hadn't got chances that he missed in the previous game, right? Because the, the fact is he's still getting in good positions, getting goal scoring opportunities. You mentioned 1.23 XG for the lad in against Bournemouth. So he's, you know, I'm encouraged by that because we don't doubt Salah's ability to score goals, right? He didn't happen to in that last game, but we know he's a good finisher. So if he gets 1.23 XG against Newcastle, chances are he's getting an attack in return very strongly, right? So 
yeah, similarly for Trent, I mean, Newcastle haven't been goals rich necessarily or chances rich this season. So I think there's a maybe if there's any a slight doubt over a Salah, which there shouldn't be when they've just scored nine goals. But maybe there's an argument there for a Trent, particularly as obviously he did score. He is clearly getting forward and, and maybe Liverpool a decent shout for a clean sheet, at least if you want it to be a bit safer, perhaps Trent. Could, could be an understandable option there. But um, you, you've seen it before in these type of games where like Joe Gomez plays at right back and particularly with Champions League coming up, that would be frustrating, wouldn't it? So, um, yeah, uh, I think you can you can feel confident, more confident in minutes again with these assets than the, than the City ones. So, yeah, I think put your captain on Salah if, if, if he's in your team. That's I mean, fine. One, pl- one player we haven't mentioned, actually, Andy, who does play for maybe maybe less likely to be a rotation risk for, for City is Cancelo. I mean, could you see him being a decent option this week? Forest, Forest haven't really been very good in front of goal so far. So maybe uh, a clean sheet is more likely than Haaland playing more than 60 minutes. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I think at some point we are going to see, um, what's his name, Sergio Gomez yeah, true. get a go. And maybe that would, again, Forrest is a good opportunity to give Cancelo a rest uh, if you're going to give him a rest at any point. Um, so, but you can't predict that. And and he is a reg- relative mainstay in the team. So Cancelo. So, so again, I guess a similar argument makes sense. Yeah. All right, well, let's leave it there, Andy, and let's move on to play a little game we like to call Who the Heck is Stat? Uh, each week, Andy and I take it in turns to pick a player from the FPL universe that must be owned by at least 5% of managers, and the other person has to guess who it is. If they guess it after the first clue, they get five points. After the second clue, they get four points, and so on and so forth. And every time they hear a clue, they have two minutes to stick or twist on their previous guess, So, um, which, which, which means we don't reveal the answer to the end, so you can play along wherever you're listening to the FPL Lounge. Uh, I believe I got a solitary one-point last Last time we both played two or both had two goes so far. Andy is leading five three. He's on for the three peat. Uh, you know, put that will put you elevate you up with you know the greats of, of, of modern sport, you know, the Michael Jordans, the Tom Brady's, uh, etc. So, um, really, yeah, it really would be a momentous occasion. I guess if you do win three in a row, we're probably gonna have to come up with a new game for, 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 for the year after that. I feel like we could we should stick it in the bin, really. You forgot to mention the '99 to 2001 Manchester United team under Sir Alex Ferguson as well in the in the three peat stakes. The only thing, the only thing, the only, the only I didn't necessarily forget them. I was going for for individual sporting greatness rather than team sporting greatness because ultimately, who the heck is that? Is is a real test of your individual psychology and skill. Tom Brady plays in a team. Yeah, and but Michael it's quarter, Jordan. Quarter, we, Michael Jordan also plays in a team. Yeah, they but, were team achievements. Yeah, but, but, so but, you're undermining. But your but, but, but those two were like. Okay, the Patriots aren't winning those Super Bowls, and the the Bulls aren't winning you know those those titles without those players. There was no one standout for, for in that United era, was there? Really? Maybe Sir Alex Ferguson is the one standout. Well, this is the. I mean, without going too there, far down, without without going too far down the track, yeah. Is is would do do the Patriots win without Brady or without Belichick? I mean, could they have won it with Belichick and without Brady? Who, who knows? Scotty Pippen. Let's, uh, let's no, debate that. Integral let's, to that. Let's integral that, to that I've got, I've, got, I've got to go on telly in a minute. So, uh... but, yeah. <laughs> oh, humble brag. Just drop yeah, that in there. Sorry, in I forgot. I forgot you were so much of a superstar, Chris. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just so lucky to be uh, fortunate to have any time with you. Uh, Video killed the podcast star. What can we say? Um, uh, right. Anyway, let's uh, let's 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 crack on. Let's uh, let's do who the heck is that? I'll kick off as I always do with Clue number one is this player's third season in FPL with the highest ever finish coming last year, scoring just over 130 points. Who the heck is Stat? 
well, yeah, their highest ever finish having to be last year or the or the year before because this is only their third season. So right, hundred just over one hundred and thirty points. This is their third year. Yeah, tricky because over five percent owned and they haven't really had a big year before. Basically, is the point here. Um, so this could be a lot of people. Um, I suppose start with trying to think who's whose third year it could be. Uh, Leeds players come to mind. Um, but, you know, that's just because that's their third season and obviously it could be a new signing as well, right? So um, would it be Jack Harrison's third season? Would he have played any time for City? I feel like he might have gone over 130 last year but he wasn't as obviously prolific as like a Rafinha and others when so so he's feeling like a good person to start on because it's likely to be his third season may not have been over 130 before he although he's I think he's had been a 150 or 160 at some point so who else is there Brentford they also came up that year did they or was it no was it their first year last year I'm getting very confused now um Okay, who else could it be? I guess it could be a Fulham player who's done the whole yo-yo thing like we had with Mitrovic on a previous one. Um, But who would it be? I don't even know. Um, Okay, well, I feel like I've got one in my head in Jack Harrison. I think he's had a 150 or 160, to be honest, because I think in his first year he was on in with um, Stewie D on our kind of surprises for the season, but I haven't got anything better. So we'll go with that to start with. Okay, no worries. Uh, Clue two then. Uh, This season, this player has recorded two back-to-back double-digit returns in game weeks four and five, having blanked in game weeks one and two. Who the heck is stat? I assume you mean three and four because five hasn't happened yet. Sorry, did I say four and I meant three and four. Yes, I've got three and four written down, so God knows why I said four and five. Okay, so double-digit returns in three and four. So someone who's returned this game week... Uh, and the one before so they didn't does that mean they didn't have double digit returns in one and two or you just didn't tell me they blanked in one and two double digit returns in three and four okay so who's returned in the last two game weeks consecutively well who have we had on would they well would they have appeared on the radar i don't know um it makes me think like maybe a brighton player um who I guess Pascal Gross possibly, um, but he definitely he scored in against United in game week one. Third season returned in the last two game weeks. Yeah, but it's one of those. It's such, that's such a specific one. Who's returned in the last two game weeks? I mean, let me try and think. I mean, obviously we've had Rodrigo already. Um, I mean, we mentioned keeping my eye on on Odegaard because he had got goals. It could be his third season. He might not have had one thirty. He might not have got over one thirty. Um, will have probably blanked in the. Oh, I don't know. Maybe in the first game when Arsenal did he has he had an assist? I guess it's going to have to be a switch to him. 10 seconds because Harrison hasn't so yeah so okay switch to Odegaard no worries then clue number three this player's recent hauls puts him in the top five overall point scorers in the game 
who the heck is that? Uh, I need to start looking at the top point scorers in the game more often before I play this because Chris seems to like this clue. It seems to come up a lot about overall point scorers in the game, and I've got no idea. That sounds like a big shout, Odegaard being in the top five point scorers in the game. I suppose it did for Rodrigo when you gave me him. Um, I'd have no idea. Okay, so if he's so he's scored three goals, so therefore that would be at least fifteen points. Obviously, he's had appearance points that takes him over twenty. Um. I don't know if he had any assists additionally to the goals. He will have got appearance points in the other games despite blanking. So he could be upwards of like mid to late 20s minimum in terms of points. Does that put you in the top five? I've no idea. I've absolutely no idea to master. I have not looked at this at all. Okay, who else could it be? That's the that's route to go here. So third year, could it be like a... Barnes, but he can he return this week? Did he return the week before? I don't know. Could be his third season. Would have had over 130 before, I'd have thought though. Um who else could it be? Is there a Spurs player, one of the defensive? Uh, Royale, Emerson Royale. Did he I think he returned earlier Very in the season. Sense. Don't think he returned. Oh, I don't actually know actually if he returns. I can't. Um, okay. It. It. Uh, I can't think of anyone else. It, it seems like a stretch to me for him being top five off the top of my head, but I haven't got anyone else, so Ten I have seconds. to just leave it. I have to just stick for now. Okay. No worries then. Clue number four. This player is not in the top five most owned at his position group and is only the fourth most owned player at his club. Who the heck is stat? Could you say that again? Uh, this player is not in the top five most owned in his position group and is only the fourth most owned player at his club. Okay. So my initial sense is to think that makes sense still for Odegaard. So top, he's a midfielder in the game. So there's going to be loads of midfielders owned, probably more than him. Obviously, Salah, etc. Who else would it be? Salah, KDB, Rodrigo. I'd I'd imagine Martinelli, probably higher owned than him. Yeah, so so that's four. So it could easily be. Yeah, I don't think Odegaard's going to be that highly owned. Um, at his club, fourth highest owned. Well, obviously Jesus. As I said, Martinelli, I think easily Zinchenko and or another defender like a Gabriel or someone. So he might, I would have probably not even had him as high as fourth owned, to be honest, because I would have, wouldn't have been surprised if Saka was higher owned than him as well. Although I think, did we see that he was in the top five transfers in this game week when we were looking at swimming against the tide? So that might have increased his ownership slightly. So I'd be minded to stick with him more so after that clue. And that would be absolutely scenes if this turns out to be right um the third one was the one that made me unsure though a top five point scorer so so i'm still going to try and use time to think about um, third season who else could it be a third season for like a brew uh what's his face joe linton joe linton mm, hasn't returned though so not him i think the fact that odegaard has returned in the last two weeks is a big help here 
So that's quite, sorry, 10 seconds. That's quite a specific. So it's going to be a small pool of people. So yeah, obviously I've got a stick given the time as well. No worries then. Clue five. And uh, listen carefully to this one. It's a bit long. He may well have been the only Real Madrid player to ever play at Colchester's JobServe Community Stadium, having featured for Norway under-21s when contracted to Madrid against England there in 2016. Who the heck is that? Well, that has to be. It is such a niche clue. That has to be Martin Odegaard, doesn't it? So, there you go, mate. I mean, there you go, mate. as if I've pulled that out. I mean, literally... I mean, if we hadn't mentioned, if we hadn't talked about him in the, I only stuck him on the extras of the of the radar right at the end as well. Yeah, and I, that's why I didn't want you to to put him on the radar. To be fair today, um, but because I'd already written this, so uh, never mind. Um, right, to be totally honest, I have to. I, yeah, we can't spend too long, uh, too long uh, dissecting this one. But but yeah, I think I think in hindsight, probably got the order of my clues the wrong way around. Oh yeah, I think so. I think I think I think, I think that second clue double-digit returns in the last two game weeks, maybe a bit too revealing for the, for the second clue. But the thing is, though, you say revealing, I was really struggling to think of, it just came to me because we'd mentioned it. But if you hadn't mentioned him, I would have really, it's a very specific to think of someone who's returned twice in the last two, right? So, um, yeah, Argu- it's, it's easy when you know it, isn't it? Revealing when you know it, perhaps, right? So that's that's the thing. I think I would have struggled if it hadn't been for that. Yeah, fair enough. Fair and enough. Actually the, and actually, the top five highest point scorers in the game almost threw me off because I really didn't think he would be. Yeah, he is. He is. He is there now. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know who else is there. It must be what Harlan, Gross, Rodrigo, maybe one other, or maybe Odegaard's fourth. I'm not sure. So exactly that. Yeah, yeah. He's fourth behind those three. All right then. Well, let's leave it there, Andy. Um, if our listeners have any questions ahead of the uh, the short turnaround game week, uh, game week five, how can they get in touch? Well, because Chris is such a superstar, I haven't had time to uh, celebrate this humongous four-pointer because that was a big fat four-pointer, wasn't it? Like, it was a big fat four-pointer, My yeah. second one of the season, that's two four-pointers in three goes. So another romping start to the season for, for myself here. And if you want to help me celebrate, you can find me find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. Um, don't let me be denied that opportunity. No, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, Andy fully deserves his, his four points and, and all of the celebrations that can come with that. And uh, you can celebrate further by uh, rating, reviewing and subscribing to our podcast, wherever you get them from. Uh, we will be back after game week five to preview uh, preview the next game. week. I guess we're going to have to do that on Thursday, Andy, at some point, I would assume. We'll have to check our schedules. Yeah, we'll we'll check Wednesday or Thursday, probably. But, but yeah. it will definitely be a bit be out uh, with you ahead of the game week, uh, game week six deadline, which will be on Saturday. Uh, so, Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge.